the final message on history makers. Actually, there'll be kind of a, a stamp on this after this next weekend, uh, Resurrection Sunday, um, just to kind of bring all of this home. But I'm going to kind of lean into that a little bit today um, by talking about this whole concept of what I've titled, It's Coming Forth Out of You. Everybody say you. So ultimately where all this thing is is going to end up, where it's going, this beautiful thing called the gospel and the advancement of the kingdom of God, it's going to manifest in our lives. And so today what I'm going to try to accomplish in the, in the minutes that we have remaining before we go back into a little time of worship is, is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us more, a little more modern day example of uh, history makers that, that made a mark on this earth, um, going back and revisiting the original team that helped plant this community 16 years ago today. It's amazing. But I want to tie that into this moment that I believe we find ourselves in as a community now. And there's times and seasons of life, you know, of of God's moving. And it's beautiful to celebrate the past. It's, it's, It's appropriate to honor where we've been. But it's also super important to be aware of where we find ourselves now and what the future tomorrow actually is going to look like. God wants to give us some insight into that today. And um, I pray just grace over the time today as I, as I uh, try to help communicate some truth here. Because we're going to look into this statement that Jesus made about himself where he said he was the Alpha and the Omega. We'll kind of finish with a little bit of that today. But I want you to look with me at John chapter 7. If you guys realize, today is Palm Sunday in church tradition, where Jesus made the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. And when he came into the city of Jerusalem, he didn't hold back. There was worship, as Wendy just spoke of this morning as she was closing, that that, that erupted in the hearts of the people and It was actually a foreshadowing of what was going to come after the resurrection of Jesus. The triumphal entry entry was was this moment of foreshadowing of what was going to begin to break out on the earth, starting with the 120, then moving to the 3,000, and then as the, the, the people went out and began to preach this glorious gospel, it literally touched the entire known world of that day, of that time. But there's a verse in John chapter 7 that actually ties into this whole thing of Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry. And I'm going to try to bring it all together. And read this with me. Jesus is speaking. Then on that most important day of the feast, talking about Sukkot, um, the the festival of the booths or where they were build these little houses, um, actually out of palm branches. It ties into this whole Palm Sunday reality. Jesus stood and he shouted at the crowds. Look what he says. All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. He was talking about this insatiable desire that was going to touch the human heart, that was going to have this longing for life in the midst 
of a dead place. There's, there's so many beautiful things about the coming of Christ, but one of the things that we need to understand is that he came to give life, and not only just give life, but give life abundant. And it was going to erupt, literally. He says, look at this in verse 8, believe, believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst forth from within you. Flowing from your innermost being, just like the scriptures say. Now, when we first moved down here, there were dreams that many of our early team members begin to have of this tsunami wave, I guess that's the only way to describe it, that was coming and crashing upon the shores of South Florida. Now, in my religious mind, I used to think about that tsunami wave as some aspect of God that was going to, from an external position, come and just blow up on the shores of this region. I think oftentimes we think of spiritual things not from an inward reality, but from an external expression. And I actually believe now that the tsunami wave of life is not going to come from without. It's going to burst forth from within. And the reason it's going to be a tsunami wave is it's not just going to be one person filled with life. It's going to be an entire multitude of individuals that have been just overtaken with thirst and have come to this place of believing in Jesus that all of a sudden this life that, that isn't no longer just some theory or another message or another religious act, it's actually a, a resonant cultural reality on the inside of them is going to burst forth. And it's going to break out. It's, going to, it's, 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 it's actually beginning to happen right now. This is the moment in history in South Florida that we find ourselves in. And we need to stop looking for a tsunami that's just going to roll up into the region from maybe a guest speaker or a conference that's going to be held, as wonderful as both of those things are. It's going to be from the people of God that are living in this region for such a time as this. People sitting in this room and listening to us right now over live stream that live in this area. By the way, if you're in this area watching us over live stream, it's a whole lot better here right now. Can I get an amen? But this is how God has always operated. Normal, everyday people that somehow in the grace of God get an insatiable thirst for life. They're tired of living in a place of death. And they see that Jesus was the one that came to put a measure of life, this living water on the inside of us. Let's look at this triumphal entry. It's so amazing to me that it's found in John chapter 12, Verse 12. Now many of us may overlook the fact that that's the reality of where the Holy Spirit decided to put that particular verse. But 12 is always 
representative of government, of rule, of the beauty of the Father's love prevailing on the earth. Come on. That's the portion that we have to look forward to, that the love of God is going to prevail on the earth above all things. And so it says the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd that was gathered at the feast. In fact, their eyes got taken off of this religious activity and turned to Jesus. That's what was taking place. Ooh, come on, did you hear that? The focus of the attention of the multitudes of people were shifted from a momentary religious activity on to Jesus himself. I remember years ago, there was a, a young lady that was in our community that was having these experiences with the Lord, and he was, he was coming into our midst, and our attention was in this kind of these visions or whatever she was having, that, that our attention, for the most part, in so many ways, sincerely um, was on other stuff. Maybe worship. Wow, how good was worship? How good was whatever, the message or this experience or that? And Jesus was longing for the attention himself. So government begins to come into the earth when we get our focus on Jesus. I know that sounds so simple, but this is what revival looks like. This is what a transformational move of God looks like. Our eyes are like fixed on the beauty of this one named Jesus Christ. And in verse 13, it's so interesting. Look at this with me. They began to wave palm branches. It was like tsunami. Tsunami. And it was coming from within them and then manifesting through their extremities, like waving, and it was it was un it was unhindered, it was unbridled, it was it was this eruption in the midst of a city of Jerusalem, right before he was going to go to his death. And they shouted, "Be our savior!" Think with me for a minute, just about that. They weren't looking for anything else to save them. There's a big rise in spiritual things right now in our culture, but the good majority of those spiritual things are not tied to Jesus. But there's going to come a shift because there's no life. You see, this may sound so narrow-minded to so many people, but there's no life in anything outside of Jesus. There may be a momentary goodness on some level potentially, but like there is a life that can only be found in him. And so when you go, like a lot of times people want to go down those roads, and I just say, hey, listen, if you want to go, go down that road. Maybe you've got to get that out of you. Maybe you've got to go search and see if there's anything else. Like for me, that's why I don't really understand what, what maybe it was like to kind of be raised up in a religious household, because that just wasn't my story. I was put on the road of searching from day one, and finally when I came to the end of myself, praise God, at the end of 18, I was like, I've just got to have life. And I began to call out, God, if you're out there, and if you possess life in you, you need to reveal yourself to me. That's thirst. 
And I'm, I just, I'm just here to testify, Buddha did not show up. Muhammad was nowhere on the scene. And by the way, I wasn't some cultural Christian that just was expecting Jesus. I was actually a little surprised when he was the one that showed up in my dorm room, to be honest. We can become so culturally religious that we actually believe in God, but we really don't. And when he does come, we're like, oh my God, you were real. Today, 16 years ago, um, I hate to even say it like this because it, it, it feels so foreign to my heart. The harbor was birthed into this community, but really what it was, it was the lives of people. It wasn't like a ministry. You, know, you have to set up like different things to not get thrown in jail. Can I get an amen? I mean, to receive offerings and stuff, you know what I mean? Corporations and these kind of things, but, but really all that was like so peripheral. It was like, man, something happened in my life and the life of our original team, and we were here just to give away what we had experienced. I think many of you may have heard the story, but just in the way of reminder, you know, my, I, I met my beautiful bride at the University of South Carolina, and a door opened to me to go out and spend a week in Bentonville, Arkansas, with, the, with all the top executives of the Walmart Corporation. And then Sam Walton was there, the founder of the organization, and, and we had a lot of time with these people. And I can't explain it, but there was a spirit of favor that just rested on me during that week, and I could tangibly feel it. I shouldn't even have been out there. I was with some of the brightest and most brilliant minds, although I fit into that category. Can I get an amen? from students across the nation that were studying business at the time. There was only seven of us, so it was, it was a very intimate group. And, you know, we each got time with these men, and I actually got some one-on-one time with Sam Walton himself. And it was just, all I can say is there was a connection. And so a few of us, three of us, by the end of this week, were invited into this specialized executive training program. This is back before Walmart existed on every corner of every street block in America. There actually were no stores out west, and they needed to raise up a new brand of leadership that was going to take the helm at some point in the future. So we went into this. I thought I was going to do this for the rest of my life, and the long and short of it is the Lord transitioned us out of that down to a Bible school in South Florida. Now, there's a whole lot to that story, but basically what happened is Jehovah Sneaky, you know, pulled me out of my one environment into a new season because he wanted to go deeper. Here's the thing that we need to realize. We are all in process. And there is nothing wasted in the midst of our process when we wonder in our minds, God, what in the world are you up to? You've got to understand, we're going to get into this at the end, that the Alpha and the Omega, he was around before you were even born. And he's actually right now existing in your future. He knew exactly what he was getting into when he chose to come and begin a work in you that he, trust me, will be faithful to complete if you just say yes. So he transitioned us to Dallas, Texas. Don't ever go live there. Snows one day and it's 110 degrees the next. I mean, that's how it works. But in that environment, man, we were, I was being turned upside down, inside out, and, 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 
you know, it was, it was, it was beautiful, but, it, you know, sometimes seasons of transition are painful. But it's not painful because God's a bad God. It's painful because we've made so many things an identity in our hearts that are actually roadblocks to love. So he's going to come and he's going to remove anything and everything that hinders love. So we're down there. And Jesus, the, 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 the river of living water, showed up in one of our chapel services. And man, I, I, I can't even really, there's no time to even give it justice to talk about it. But put it this way, classes were shut down for like a week. And we would just come every day into that atmosphere. And wow, it was amazing. And on the third day, the guest speaker who God was working through called me out in front of about 2,500 students. And he said, young man, by the time you're 33 years old, you'll be pastoring an influential church in a southern gateway city of the United States. I cried out, false prophet. No. But fast forward, let's see, that was 97. Fast forward to 2001. I'm on a mission trip to Brazil. Any Brazilians in the house today? Come on, Brazilian. Any Brazilians in the house today? Brazil plays a big part of our story. It was over there. It's clear as day. We were planting part of a successful church in Birmingham, Alabama. He said, your time here is done, and I've called you to pastor an influential church in the Southern Gateway City of the U.S. Everything from that moment in 1997 came flashing, flooding into my heart. Now, this was a massive move, big time. Wendy was happy in Birmingham. We had a nice life there. I mean, things were going very, very well. Church that we had planted had grown to 1,000 plus within a year. And just prior to the time that we departed, it was about 3,000. There was life that was flowing. It was amazing. It was a great experience. And the little mission team that, that, that I was a part of with some young warriors, men and women, I said, guys, this is what I feel like the Lord's saying, and, and, and just to be sure, we should take a little trip away to seek God and make sure this is the case. And so we got in our cars, and we went to a conference in Charlotte, maybe about four hours from where we were living, and no lie, it was like every other car that was passing us on the highway had a Florida license plate with that little orange on the license plate. And I would just stare at that orange as it drove by again and again. And I was like, guys, like I, I'm, I'm dramatic if, if you don't know that already. But I'd be like, dude, did you see that another orange? Whoa, you know. Finally, after they got tired of my, you know, shenanigans, I just kind of went silent, you know. And just kind of went into introspective mode. And there was another one. There was another one. I was like, God, you have got to be kidding me. So we get up to the conference, 5,000 people are gathered in the worship session. And, there was, and they had the fire police there, they, they, were, they were shutting the doors to anybody else that wanted to go in. So they had to scramble and come up to create some seminar um, to get the rest of the other 1,000 people that, that had showed up a little late into this conference setting. And they, and they were, you know, these, these, this ministry was very big in the prophetic, they were 
They were going to demonstrate that God really does speak. And so they actually qualified the session by saying, hey, we're going to say some stuff that's kind of off the wall, and it's going to either have to be the Lord or it's not. So the third person in, the guy looks at me, and he goes, young man, would you stand up? And I stand up. And he just simply said, there's an orange in your eye. Now, everybody else in that room was probably like, he missed it, man. He totally missed it. And I'm like, (laughs) and then after he let some emotion hit me, which was big time, he just simply said, you're contemplating to move to South Florida, and God just wants you to know it's of him. Be at peace. Be at rest. What's crazy is we actually went out to lunch after that session, and the guy, this is just how the Lord is, the guy that gave me the word was at the same restaurant that we went to. So I was like, oh, man, I just I have to go thank him. I have to honor him for what happened just now. That was huge. And I'm talking to him, and I'm thanking him. And he goes, South Florida, huh? And, he, and I said, yeah. And he said, he, he, he said, actually, this guy sitting across the table from me is from South Florida. He lives in Coral Springs. Randy Cutter was there, this guy. Jimmy Nosen. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. So... The first wave of people, I want to show you this. We had 15 people that originally came down. The ones that that are not um, in this photo um, are my wife, Dana Witten, Betsy Hackney. But this was the original team. How many of you guys can guess which one's Justin? (laughs) Top center, if you you don't. That's amazing, right? What a transformation, (laughs) right? So this was the original team of 15 people, including Wendy, Dana, Betsy. Mary Catherine is on the left side there. Julie in the center. She's one of our missionaries in Turkey now. Just just amazing as I I think about this this team. And then there was a second wave of people, Alan and Eva Walker, who work with our children's ministry, Michelle Carr, Melanie Nielsen, Carol Miller, Jennifer Thomas, Matthew Perugini, Sarah Baker, Josh Wentz. And I want to just say that these people... With the, the thirst that was on the inside of their heart and, and the recognition of, of need for Jesus, they made some eternal history. And I want to show you, like, I think about this, like the first person that came to Jesus that was baptized in our church. I, I remember how, how radical the life of this young lady's um, journey in life was transformed. It was so powerful. Our first small group, we had, we, had, we had three of them when we first began. And, and, and Mike Davis, who, who's sitting under the painting there, recently passed away. It was like this kind of heritage and history of, of just hunger. We want to connect. We want to see God move. We want to we do something amazing. You can take that down. My, the, 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 the offices for the harbor started out of the garage of our home, 2740 Northwest 115 Terrace. And you know what I learned is, is that we were in good company with other organizations that started out in a garage. Did you know that? You see this? Put this up. I want to show you these other companies that started out in a garage. If you could pull up that photo. It's not there. Anyhow, it's Apple, Harley-Davidson. I could, the list goes on and on and on. Companies that started out of spheres of ambiguity. And ended up going on and doing great things. The seed of thirst 
The seed of recognizing Jesus, it's unstoppable. It may begin small, but it, but it is explosive at the end of the day that bears much fruit. In fact, Luke says in chapter 16, verse 10, he says, If you're faithful with little things, you will be faithful with larger things. Listen here, I'm going to transition the message now. This is massively important for us to understand. The desire of God is not just to keep us being faithful with the little. The purpose of that is to position us through process to steward the more. Don't get religious in your thinking and go, man, just happy being a faithful person over X, Y, and Z that the Lord has given me. That's true, but he's put that before you so that he can position you to bring you into the more. Come on, somebody. Business leaders, people in whatever sphere of influence, God has put you there, and he's working out faithfulness, but it's unto something. I loved it in the beginning. Some of the faithfulness for us looked like celebrating what God was doing versus what he wasn't. Come on. Come on. When you're being faithful and trying not to fall into discouragement, you need to celebrate what the Lord is doing, not focus on what he isn't. you gotta, you got to set your mind to know that, man, this thing is about progress over perfection. You see, comparison oftentimes makes us look at someone else that's maybe doing something like what we believe God has for us, and we compare, and the Lord is not about that comparison. He's about the progress that he's making in you versus you coming into some place of instant perfection. Jesus is all about the journey. I love the early days, man. We had this big, huge part of our culture that was like, man, we're going to become unoffendable. We're never going to get bitter. We're only going to get better. Whatever is dished out at us, man, we're going to let it work for our ultimate good and not steal from our inheritance in the future. That we're better together, that we can go farther as one big team versus having to go fast to get what we want in instant gratification. It's a big part of the, 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 I think, the weakness of our culture in America. And we began to fashion our identity as the harbor. We knew that our vision was to see transformed people that transformed culture. And, and I got I to gotta break that down for you. That it's, it's all about a mission of the, all the generations coming into wholeness in spirit, soul, and body. We need a healthy rhythm of life. You know, the overflow of what's going to burst out of us will come from what we actually really carry If your life is chaotic in your soul or your body's broken down or, you know, whatever the case may be, man, that's what's going to overflow from you. You only give away what you carry. God is at work in the holistic part of our human humanity. He's trying to get to all of it. I was telling our small group leaders, I'm like, man, I hate it that I'm showing up late to the party, but I feel like Wendy and I have finally found a healthy rhythm of life. And it's wonderful. Our not-to-do list is as big as our to-do list. We're not just looking for good things to do. We're looking for great things to give ourselves to. 
We're not going to get distracted by the tyranny of the urgent. We're going to be focused on what we're supposed to lean into from day to day. We discovered a discipleship model of worship and engagement with a heart of servanthood that's going to get us there. We have some theological non-negotiables. The centrality of Christ. That individual transformation comes from what Christ accomplished on the cross. Not out of religious activity. Or trying to white-knuckle it to, to, to be better people out of our own effort. We're talking about Holy Spirit empowerment here of God's people that actually will enable us to transform culture. We can't do this in our own strength. And lastly, we're relationally driven as fathers and mothers that want to care for and equip a generation. We don't have a religious agenda here. We're just, we're just passionate about people and their future. As I, as I bring this to a conclusion, I want to I say this over our house. I believe that we're in a governmental season right now. Like where the tsunami that God has for this area and the part that we're supposed to play in it is upon us right now. Why is that important? You see, if you're here, maybe you've just been brought here or maybe you're still here, that there's a reason for that. That you carry a part in this whole equation. In fact, I wrote this. I said, the ones that are faithful in the little season will be the ones who can be trusted in the season of much. It's time to connect in, be faithful, because the much is coming tomorrow, very, very soon. This culture of heaven, this culture of life is about to burst forth from us. Now, here's what I want to do just for five minutes. I want to build on this whole concept of of, of John chapter 7, where he said, all you thirsty ones, come to me, come to me and drink, believe in me so that rivers of living water will flow from you. Revelation 21.6 ties into this, and so does Revelation 1.8, but I don't have time to read it. It says, and he also said, it is, one, say it with me, finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning, the end, here it is, to all who are, to all who are, Thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Now, there's a real problem with both of this verse, 21.6 and Revelation 1.8, when Jesus refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. And I'm talking about the divinity side of Jesus. You see, divinity does not have a beginning or an ending. You see, eternal things don't have a start and a finish. They've just always been. That's why Jesus said, I am. So what is he referring to here when he gives this title to himself, the Alpha and the Omega? The reason behind that is, is God is immune from process, but we are not. There's a start and there's a finish to our life on this planet. We are mortals. He is eternal. But he's the Alpha and the Omega watching over our hearts. 
He was there before any of us were ever fashioned in our mother's womb. And he is already, like I said earlier, existing in your hopeful future. That's important because when you're crying about something on Monday, probably two Thursdays from now you're going to be laughing at what you were once crying about because God already exists in that moment. We have such a hard time with process, but God is working things out for our good as he is teaching us to look to Jesus, to thirst for his life, and to be faithful with the things that he's placing inside of our hands. You see, God exists outside of the scope of time and creation, outside of process. But listen to me. This is important. you got to hear this as the band comes back up. Because of love, God instituted creation. Listen, God wasn't bored in his eternal existence. Love brought forth the creation of the worlds, of the galaxies. Did you guys see this new thing? Now they discovered a black hole. Crazy. I would love to just go through the black hole and just see what happens. I would do it. If they had a trip to the black hole, I would go for it because I just want to see what's on the other side. That's how I'm made, right? I just want to go through the black hole. But anyhow, he instituted creation. He instituted time, reducing himself, listen to me, this is important, to identifiable factors. In other words, to, to a reality where he could begin to be experienced. Oh. See, God didn't need us. He wanted us. Do you understand? And he wanted the, in the creation of, of time and, and the institution of, of, of all that we see around us, it was, and he put us on the planet, it was to, 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 to hopefully woo us into this place where we look to him and we thirst for the life that he could give us. Oh. In fact, Romans 1 talks about this. He says, when you look at all of creation, you should see me. But listen, the ultimate act of, act of love was inserting himself into creation and time itself through the incarnation of Jesus. Come on, let's just sit with that for just a minute. All the other gods, all the other religions... None have that story. None have that narrative. An eternal God didn't just leave it to creation or our conscience to hunger for Him. He came into time. He came into creation and became a created being so that we would hunger for Him, Paul says. Grow for him, long for him until we find him and behold him. The son of glory, the only begotten of the Father. Oh, come on. This beautiful one that we're going to be spending the rest of eternity getting deeper glimpses into and understanding of.
Here's what the Lord is doing right now in this moment, if you could see it. He's going to start coming to you. And he's going to start encountering you in your now, from your future. Darren, what are you, Marty McFly? What's going on here? Biblical text, Darren. I need biblical proof text right now. Okay. Judges 6.12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gideon, and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Where did the angel come from? The now moment that Gideon was in or his future? You see, when God comes and meets us in our doubt, in our failure, in our jail cell, in our bondage, in our lack of identity. I mean, Gideon was like, I'm the smallest of all of my family, my my, my parents weren't really a big deal. And you're telling me that I'm going to lead a nation. Of course. God always takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He always takes the hidden ones, the obscure ones, that no one's really looking for. But he's in their future. He's, I call it the Omega Principle. He's a God who comes to speak to us in the now from our future. And when we question the why, I'm ending with this, the why of what's happening to us now, he does like he did with Job. Now we see this through a very bad lens, but you remember where the Lord says, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? And we think that he's being mean father to poor Job in that moment that he's inflicting all this bad stuff on. What he's actually doing is saying before all of this existed and before all of the trials that you're going through right now, which the enemy is the one that came to beseech to come and afflict you, to prove you, to test you. I'm your alpha. Before you were brought into even this planet, you were already in my heart. Come on. Come on. Listen. Some of you have went through stuff in your family, in your upbringing. Different things have gone down that tried to afflict your heart. Listen. You've always been inside the heart of God. And He is your Alpha. He was there before you were even brought into this world. And I don't understand all of this, but there's, there's a reality to love that sometimes stuff just has to play out. But you see, we existed in the safety of his heart before we even came in to our problems and our affliction. But the omega is, is that he's also standing in our tomorrow. And through process, you see, got one last thing. (laughs) No season as life has ever waited. In fact, the blueprint for your tomorrow is already at work in your current situation. David 
caring for the sheep on the backside of the wilderness, worshiping God. Creating an atmosphere over a land. Killing the lion, killing the bear. There was the warrior already on, inside of him. So when he came up against Goliath, or he was, it was time for him to be positioned in the castle, it was already there when no one else was watching. Do you understand? Your purpose is secure in God. All you have to do is go through the journey with affection, thirst, beauty. Could you stand with me all over this place? And as you do, I want you to close your eyes. And wherever you find yourself today, I want you to start to speak over your heart and say, man, my future is already working on my behalf right now. Come on, begin to thank him for what he already is doing in your life. In fact, your yesterday of affliction will be the trophy of grace that will be a weapon inside of your hand to crush the adversary. In fact, your worship of God's goodness bringing you out of all that will be the very weapon that will destroy the adversary in the future. We love you, Lord. Could we just, just for a minute, could we turn our attention to Jesus? Could we just look to Jesus for just a minute? Could we, just, could we just begin to worship him? Could we just begin to, to express adoration and begin to express thanks and, and begin to sing glory unto his name? Begin to wave the palm branches of a tsunami wave of something that's starting to erupt on the inside of our hearts. Come on. Come on, it's his triumphal entry today in our midst that's going to bring resurrection tomorrow. It's the triumphal entry of us beginning before we even see the manifestation of those promises begin to wave, begin to wave in adoration to the glory of God, of what he's up to right now, even though we don't see our future promise. It's already a seed inside of your spirit because he is the alpha. He is the omega standing in your future. join me. Let's lift up our hands just for a minute. Come on, let's lift up our hands. You're everything. You're all that we need. Come on, all over this room. You're our source of life. of a religious function and get them onto the one that is the great I am. Come on. That because of love inserted himself into creation and into time so that we could find
Justin, if you could just join your voices. Let's just make a let's just make a joyful sound right now. Come on. You're everything. it out of your mouth. Come on. We worship you. We bless you, God. You are worthy. You are seated above all things. You are at the right hand of the Father. Your future, our future is secure. Come on, tell him. God, you are worthy. We love you, God. Stir our hearts. Turn us. God, let an affection, a hunger, a thirst for you be like never before. Come on. Jesus. Uh-huh. It's all working for our good. Come on.
listen to me. Some, someone needs to hear this. There's a table that's being prepared for you in the midst of your enemies. It's good food. It's good drink. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the enemies of your soul are going to have to sit there be subjugated to watching you step into your purpose. And everything they threw at you in the last four to five years is melting off, going away. All for your good. We love you. God bless you guys. Have an awesome awesome rest of your day. We're going to have ministry here as long as we need it. God bless you guys.